Welcome back to the Bearded Guy Podcast. Now, if you joined us last week, we started our discussion about the place known to everyone as Area 51. And according to those that live near the facility, there's something off about the place, and there's definitely something weird going on in the sky above. Now, in today's episode, we're going to revisit Area 51, and we're going to briefly discuss some of the the histories of UFO phenomenon and then we're going to look at some of the conspiracy theories that have been been attached to this facility in the middle of the Nevada desert. Now, the fact that Area 51 is a government facility that is owned and operated and maintained by the Air Force, I mean, it's a given that the airbase itself should be about the business of testing experimental aircraft, you know, on an ongoing basis. I mean, testing of this nature is important to our advancement in our ever-changing, technologically advanced world that we live in. Now, however, when you use the term like UFO to describe something that can't be explained flying around in the sky above, you really have to shrug off any modern-day understanding of airplanes or air travel in general as we know it. Now, the word airplane for most people usually conjures up images that fall into one of three categories. You know, you have your standard jumbo jet that carries us to business meetings and vacations and facilitate other special travel needs. Then you've got the biplane designs, like the one the Red Baron flies in the stories of old. And the imagery is the kinds you would see at an air show or actually an air museum. And then you've got your military jets. Now, these are designed for the purpose of warfare and military applications. But for most people, it can be summed up like this. If it looks like a plane and it flies like a plane, well, guess what? It's a plane. But what happens when it doesn't fit into the generic category or breaks from the known standard? If it cannot be confined to the historical context of what we're comfortable with, then it falls into another category altogether. It falls into the category of UFO or alien in nature. Now, take a moment and and check your local newspaper or watch the evening news. You know, you can usually find stories about reported sightings in the sky that can't be explained. And if it can't be explained, we do what everyone does. We attach theories to it, we speculate about it, and we study it in an attempt to make sense out of it. And then, after all that is exhausted, we generally associate it with being alien in nature. Now, of course, this is where most people roll their eyes and get off the conspiracy crazy train, you know, at the next station. But in reality, UFO sightings have been reported as far back as 1440 B.C., And they were described at the time as fiery disks in the sky. And I bet it must have been quite a spectacle. You know, before air travel was known and and possible by us, you know, I bet it was a a show to behold, standing there on on, on the earth, looking at something flying around in the sky that we couldn't explain. So maybe, I mean, just maybe, there is something to this notion of alien visitors after all. And it's really a curiosity to me when reading the accounts of the early historical sightings, I I do wonder sometimes if if the amount of ridicule and side glances were the same as what people experience today when reporting an unidentified flying object. So the question then becomes this, how do we connect UFOs and Area 51? I mean, it's an easy leap, but to get there, you have to go backward in time. 
really back to a time that gave birth to the possibility that aliens and UFOs actually exist somewhere in the vast expanse of the universe we inhabit. And it was in the mid to late 40s. I mean, it seemed that anyone and everyone was seeing something that could not be explained buzzing about in the heavens above. And the talk of strange sightings in the sky was really gaining in popularity among everyday people. And while estimates are varied about the actual number and validity of the claims that were often questionable at best, there were enough uh, claims of sightings to raise the eyebrows of the right people. And our government thought enough about the claims to start a, a special project of sorts to investigate these reports about the unidentified flying object phenomenon. Now, the name of the government operated and funding project was Project Sign. And Project Sign was started in 1947, and it actually ran through 1949. And while it didn't last long, it was replaced by another government-led research project called Project Grudge. Now, the grudge continued where Sign left off investigating and documenting flying saucer reports until the year 1951. Grudge was eventually shut down and then replaced by what is the most recognizable of the three, Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book was headed by Edward J. Ruplett, and Project Blue Book actually operated from the year 1952 through 1969 and officially stopped operation in 1970. Now, between 1952 and up until the time the project was shut down in 1969, there were approximately 12,000 reported and investigated sightings. And to this day, there are approximately 700 or so that remain unidentified. You know, during this time, it seemed that UFO sightings were all the rage. And each new report that came in actually had about the same description of what was being seen. They were called fast-moving, saucer-shaped aircraft. Now, because the sightings and claims of sightings had gravity to them, they were taken very seriously, and each sighting or report of a sighting was logged into what was then a Blue College Study Notebook. Now, that's where the name Project Blue Book actually got its name, from these blue uh, study notebooks that were used on college campuses all over the U.S., now, people reported anything and everything, from cloud formations to natural lights in the sky. Even birds were actually mistaken as flying saucers. And the weird thing is this. All reported descriptions were usually the same or relatively the same with each new claim of a sighting. Now, the term flying saucer was so overused at the time that the Air Force changed the nomenclature used to describe the sightings from flying saucer, to the acronym UFO, or Unidentified Flying Object. Because General Ruplett felt the words flying saucer actually sensationalized the research and the other work being done for the project, he felt that it, it kind of put it in a bad light. Now, we still use this acronym today to describe what we can't, we can't explain buzzing about in the sky above. Now, looking at some of the history of UFO sightings and reported sightings and how those were documented and handled, we have to ask the question, what ties UFOs and Area 51 together? Well, it happens to be one of the most famous flying saucer incidents that is still talked about to this very day. You see, it happened in Roswell, New Mexico in mid to late 1947, and it was claimed that an actual flying saucer crash-landed and was then covered up by our government. Now, the claims were this, that the, the alien beings in the crash were recovered, 
and the wreckage remains of the UFO were collected, and all of the witnesses who saw this were silenced. And it is rumored that the remains of this crash were taken and locked away from the outside world. Now, this leads us to our first conspiracy attached to Area 51, that the wreckage from the crash and the occupants from the wreckage were taken to a special bunker hidden beneath Area 51. And it is said that there is a vast underground network of sorts deep below the surface of the facility. Other conspiracies attached to Area 51 are that the government is reverse engineering alien technology. Now, some of this technology was said to have been found at the crash site of Roswell, New Mexico. And a lot of theories claim that this has been going on for a very long time. Now, there have been documentaries about this very subject that argue that our government has been using alien tech to design new weapons, new technologies, and even flying machines powered by something called Element 115, which is actually used in what is said to be an antimatter generator. Now, E-115 is said to, to be able to allow machines to actually defy gravity and fly undetected. Another conspiracy is that alien life forms are actually being held captive and interrogated at Area 51. Now, this is a long-held theory that alien life forms are being kept at the facility. And really, depending on who's telling the story, they could be either dead or alive. It is also rumored that you will never see them because, guess what? The aliens are being kept in the facility underneath the facility. Remember the vast underground network? Another big one, too, with Area 51 is that the New World Order has one of its headquarters at Area 51. And it is said that one of the headquarters for this secretive totalitarian group is actually in the bunker underneath Area 51. And the theory goes that a division of the NWO known as Majestic 12 has been working with aliens that have been reported to cohabitate with us over the past 50, 60 years. Now, some people speculate that this is for the purpose of developing flying saucers for military use. And then there are some that speculate something more nefarious. It is called the full-spectrum dominance. That's what people say the end goal here is. And what full-spectrum dominance is, is to gather and develop resources in all areas of warfare that include aerial, subterranean, terrestrial, extraterrestrial, psychological, cyber and biotechnology it's really about military dominance it's what they say that the nwo is working towards at area 51. now here's a weird one that the stage for the moon landing was actually built in area 51. now this is a theory that has persisted over the last 50 years that the moon landing was actually a non-event faked by the government and what's even more compelling about this supposed moon landing is that Conspiracy theorists believe not only was it faked, but the moon landing videos sent out by NASA were filmed on a set built inside Area 51. Now, the video is said to have been shot by film filmmaker Stanley Kubrick, you know, the director of 2001 A Space Odyssey, and one of my all-time favorites, The Shining. Another theory goes that human-alien hybrids are actually being made at the facility. Now, this one ties back into the NWO again, and it is said that it is believed that a mix of human-alien hybrids are being made to look like us, but that reportedly have the psychic and mental abilities of aliens. Now, these are just a few of the theories that have been circulated about Area 51, and of course, there are countless others that were not included in this episode. And the root of all these conspiracies is actually based in the fact that the place is a top-secret military base. 
So it stands to reason that we really have no need to know what goes on there. But what about the reported UFOs that are seen regularly in the desert sky over the facility? Actually, truth be known, a lot of the reported UFO sightings in the sky around the airbase have actually been valid claims. UFOs in every sense of the word, they are seen and reported by residents or others just passing through the area. Now, over the years, experimental aircraft have been designed, built, and tested at the facility. And at the time the tests were being performed, these air machines were highly classified and top secret. Now, this could be the main reason why there were so many unexplained sightings in the area sky. Because if these classified planes had never been seen by those outside of the need-to-know inner circle, and due to the nature of the design not revealed to the general public, they would without a doubt fall into the category of unidentified flying objects. Some of the aircraft that have been tested uh, at the Area 51 facility and at the time were considered cutting-edge tech. You know, they were highly classified, and rightly so. There was the Lockheed U-2, which was used for high-altitude um, all-weather reconnaissance. And then there was the Aurora. It was said to have been built and tested between 1980 and 1990, uh, but the government denied it was ever built. Then there was the F-117A Nighthawk stealth bomber. You know, it was built under the code name Have Blue, and it was, you know, test flights in the 70s. And from a good distance, the shape of the planes actually looked alien in nature. There was also the Tactic Blue, which was unlike any other aircraft that had been seen before in the sky. And then there was the Bird of Prey, which actually gets its name from a very funny place, the Star Trek series. It was the name of the Klingon spaceship. So you see, the designs of these experimental aircraft were new and innovative, and they were pushing the limits of speed and maneuverability. And at the time, there was no one in the public arena that had seen anything like them before. Now, add to the fact that in almost every instance of reported UFO sightings, they are generally done from a considerable distance and not always under the most favorable conditions. I mean, it could be dark or that time just between daylight and dark. It could be hot and hazy conditions that actually cause the light to play tricks on us and kind of skew our perceptions a bit. Now, for me, this doesn't discount or rule out the existence of aliens or extraterrestrial UFOs. But what it does do is it gives me pause as to the number of legitimate sightings that have been reported over the years. And trust me, there have been many. I mean, most reported sightings do come from very legitimate and credible sources, and some, well, let's just say they're questionable at best. But the truth of the matter is this. It's not as important to most conspiracy theorists as to what actually goes on behind the gates and walls at Area 51. It's the information, or rather the lack of information, about what goes on that has given this base a legitimate place in conspiracy theories. Well, there you go. Area 51 conspiracy theory. I think on a conspiracy scale, I would give this an about a 7 or 8. I, I think there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on at Area 51, but I think it's more just government being secretive. That's what I think it is. And there may be some alien tech there. There may be alien life forms hidden hidden deep beneath the facility in the, in the underground bunker of Area 51. The thing about it is we'll never know. Until the government opens the gates and tears down the walls, we will never know. So we'll always have to think about and theorize and make up stories about this place in the Nevada desert. Now, myself, I believe in aliens. I actually think there are extraterrestrial life forms somewhere in the universe. 
it's just the law of averages. There's no way that anyone can tell me that we're here alone in this vast, ever-expanding universe. There has to be more. There has to be other people, other, other life forms, whatever that looks like in, in the universe. I just believe it wholeheartedly. I believe it so much that when I actually go out to get in my car to go to work in the mornings, I look up in the sky, and I'm always looking for that, that chance encounter with an unidentified flying object. Thank you guys for stopping by to give this podcast a listen. I do appreciate you, my subscribers, that stop in from week to week to see what's going on here on the Bearded Guy Podcast. It is appreciated more than you know. Again, join us for future and follow-up episodes because we're going to be talking about this conspiracy theory thing for a while because there's so many there. They just need to be explored. And quite honestly, they're fun. (laughs) They're actually fun to dig into and see what some of the buzz is about when it comes to places like Area 51 or the Illuminati. And there's so many there. So again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the Bearded Guy podcast. You know, and if you've got an idea for a conspiracy theory or you just want to give me some feedback on this podcast and episodes that we post, drop me a line at beardedguypodcast at gmail.com. That's beardedguypodcast at gmail.com. I do appreciate you, the listening audience, and as always, it's my hope that you have a great day, a better day tomorrow, and a wonderful week ahead of you, and until next time.